Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you, get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message. Celebration Church. How are you guys? Happy Sunday, fun day. It's so good to be here. And uh, I love being in this space. I was here a year ago. Um, and uh, it's just amazing what God is doing, isn't it? It's incredible for all of you who've been a part of the story and, and the path that God has been leading this church on. It's an incredible, incredible thing. I'm Mark, as uh, Kimberly mentioned. And I was thinking when you were saying, you know, usually you feel intimidated around smart people, but you don't feel intimidated around me. I was thinking, it's, I'm not that smart. So it's, I really appreciate uh, the introduction now. It's great to be here. And um, I wish my wife, uh, one person clap for that. That's awesome. Not that smart. Woo! Yep. It's, it's going to be a great day. Um, but it's really, really great to be here. I wish my wife Susie could be here. Um, and we feel very similarly about your pastors, Roger and Kimberly. They are amazing. And I mean, they hunt elk and speak and pastor and coach. And one of them hunts elk, right? Um, so we had a little competition going. Uh, your pastor was hunting elk and I was fishing uh, in Idaho. And I asked him, how many elk did you catch? <laughs> I got more fish than you caught elk. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Not that it's a competition, but I kind of won. So, um, but it's really great to be here, and I'm very, very honored to be in this church and in this house. I love your church from uh, a distance, of course. I'm from Delaware. My wife Susie and I started a church there 16 years ago. How many of you guys have been to Delaware just by a show of hands, show of hands, show of hands? Three of you. It's more than usual. Okay, so uh, Delaware is a state, a state in the country you live in, and it's on the East Coast, and we started a church there 16 years ago, and um, love where we live, but man, what a blast to come to Idaho. It's beautiful here. Yeah, I know, right? You're like, yeah, just moved here six weeks ago and just excited about how, yeah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but it really is amazing, all the mountains and rivers and all that. And uh, in Delaware, um, we, have, we have Starbucks, and so very excited about that. But you guys have mountains, so it's good to be in Idaho. And I don't know if Steve is in the house, Sturgeon Steve, but he took me fishing yesterday and did a great job. He probably slept in because we were out a long time yesterday, so he'd be in the second service, but he did a great job, and uh, I'm really, really honored to be here. You guys excited to be here? You got to be at church today. I mean, it's, it's a good day to be at church, isn't it? And um, I believe God wants to do some good things in our lives during our time together today. So this past summer, the church that, that I have the privilege of serving uh, we spent some time learning more about the Holy Spirit, which is how followers of Jesus describe God and his presence and power at work among us, in us and through us, the Holy Spirit. Some of us are a little bit weirded out maybe by the Holy Spirit, uh, but that really is God in his presence and power just doing a work in us 
and through us. Here's kind of the way I thought about it as I was coming into today, that if God's primary message to us as Father is, I created you and I love you, and God's primary message through Jesus, the Son of God, is I came to save you, then God's primary message through the Holy Spirit often is, I think, uh, I have more for you. I think that's God's like primary message. So I loved you, I created you, I came to save you, I also have more for you. And that's really the way I view the Holy Spirit. So my wife Susie and I, uh, we have a son with autism. His name is Connor, and uh, he's 18 years old. He's a pretty cool dude, and, and uh, he's made our, life, uh, our lives just very, very interesting over the past 18 years. And he struggles with language and social interactions, one of the, one of the effects of, uh, of autism for him. He doesn't have a lot of language, and when he was little especially, he didn't have a lot of words, so whenever Connor would say something, it was kind of a big deal. And we were traveling one time, we were visiting another church, and we were there uh, for a Wednesday night kind of uh, midweek service that they were having, and they didn't have an environment for Connor. They didn't have a, a kid space or uh, a space that would work out for him. So we took him into the auditorium with us, and we made sure we sat toward the back, and we brought some things to keep him entertained, and we we're just you know trying to be sure that, that Connor would not uh, disrupt the service in any way. And and everything was going fine. We were singing along. Everything was great. And then there was a lull in the service. And somebody was giving like some promotions, some announcements. And when we had walked into the auditorium that day at that church, we had noticed that across the back walls, so be kind of like behind me, there was this, these letters, these big block letters that spelled out God is love, which is true, right? Good message. Very encouraging. But right before the service, I guess, one of the letters, the L in love had come loose. And it was dangling. So it kind of said, God is, you know, it just, it, you knew it was supposed to say love, but it didn't say love. So we just had noticed that. And so we'd gone through the worship time and there was a lull. Somebody was giving some announcements. And all of a sudden, Connor, who'd been perfectly quiet up until that moment, looked up and yelled out, you dropped the L. And to, you know, which we got everything together, ran out of the church as fast as we can. No, we didn't do that. We were kind of like, I'm so, so sorry. I'm sorry. You know, we're that family now. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But he just was pointing out the obvious. You dropped the L. That's what happens when Connor comes to church. He just, if it's, if somebody needs to say something, he says something, you know, doesn't say a lot most of the time, but just don't drop the L on his watch. That's what happens when Connor comes to church. So I have this question for us to consider today, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, your path in life, and however you kind of relate to or think about God and spiritual things and church, what happens when the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of God comes to church? So what does he do? How does he interact with us? And what does he want to do in us and through us? So again, if, if that idea of the Holy Spirit kind of freaks you out, if you're new to the whole church thing, Trust me, if you're going to go to church, you want a church where the Holy Spirit is working in people. And it doesn't have to be weird. In fact, weird often is not the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I think the Holy Spirit is like, that was not me. That was, they're weird. That's all that is. That's not me. I'm not weird. They're weird. I think that's what the Holy Spirit says sometimes. Like, I'm not weird. They're weird. That's another message for another time. But anyway, uh, your pastor can fix that next weekend. So that's just my theory. You know, sometimes that's what he's doing. He's like, that's not, that was not me. Um, but if you've ever been in an environment where it's so obvious that something is missing or it's off or it's not quite right, that you wanted to yell out, you dropped the L, 
then you kind of know what the Holy Spirit does when he comes to church. He points out what might be missing because he has more for us. So he points out what might be off. And if we'll allow him to, he wants to change it in us, through us. And you say, well, do you mean individually or in our church as a whole? Yes, both. He wants to change things in us so that God can work more fully through us to make a bigger difference around us. And some of us are church people, right? So uh, I'm not going to uh, take a poll right now, but some of us grew up around church and we're very familiar with the church thing. We've seen some good things happen at church. We probably have seen a few, you drop the L moments, right? It's like, yeah, I've been around church a little while. Uh, some of us are, are brand new to this. We're like, I'd never thought. And in our church, man, this is the case. Week after week, we see people come to our church who, when they share their story, they say something like, I never thought in my life I would ever literally like even walk into a church building. I did not think that was me, but somehow I ended up here. God's doing a work in my life. So that may be you today. You never thought you would be a church person, and yet here you are. And then a lot of us are somewhere in between. So wherever we are, how do we make sure that this church our church, the church that we're a part of, that God's blessed us to be a part of, how do we make sure this doesn't just become a place where people check a religious box, but that it's a community where people's lives are transformed by God? How do we make sure this is not just a club for everyone who believes the same stuff, but it's a spiritual hospital for people who are hurting? How do we ensure that for the, for the long term, this is a church, that whatever room we're meeting in, because when we expanded the room here at Celebration Church, the only point was that God could expand his work in this city, that God could do more in the lives of people. We're not into buildings and seats and drywall and lights. Who cares unless they create space for more people to experience God? That's what it's all about. So how do we make sure that that stays the priority? And the good news is that's why the Holy Spirit comes to church. Because if you drop the L, he's like, hey, you drop the L. And sometimes in a moment, we're like, everything's good. Everything's fine. Like we're doing fine. We're doing church. We're used to it. It's very normal. And then the Holy Spirit will just show up and go, hey, just so you know, you drop the L. And there's actually a book in the New Testament of the Bible that shows us what happens when the Holy Spirit comes to church. It's called the book of Acts. And I think part of the reason it's called that is because when God is at work, when the Holy Spirit is at work, stuff actually happens. It's not just a lot of talk or emotion, but there's actually a work of God happening through people. And Acts describes the first followers of Jesus, the first church living out their faith. And at one point early in the book of Acts, some of Jesus' followers, including two guys named Peter and John, are facing persecution for their faith. Listen to this. This is Acts 4, verse 13. The members of the council, so these are political and religious officials, were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Did you notice what these guys' critics were amazed by? By the way, when the Holy Spirit comes to church, very religious people do tend to get a little uncomfortable. And that's kind of what's happening here. Like the religious elite are like, oh, no, no, did somebody just get healed? That can't happen. God doesn't heal people anymore. And God's like, but I just did. And they're like, but you can't. I know you're God and all, but we're religious. So you can't heal people. You can't do that. You can't do that. That doesn't happen. And so the religious people are very uncomfortable. But do you notice what they're amazed by? They are amazed by Peter and John's boldness. They're just ordinary people like you and me. 
And that's what a healthy church is full of. Ordinary people whose lives are being transformed by God. Anybody else feel very ordinary sometimes? Anybody else just feel very ordinary? Uh, okay, that's about 40% of us today. So how many of us feel extraordinary? We feel like we're God's gift to the world. Just raise your hand if you're, because that's a message on humility. We'll start a new series, okay? But for all of us who, <laughs> for all of us who raised our hand a moment ago and said, I feel very ordinary. I feel very ordinary many times. And I am very ordinary. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of ordinary person. I'm just, a, I think ordinary thoughts. I live an ordinary life. That's Peter and John. They're just very ordinary. And sometimes we allow feeling ordinary to prevent us from experiencing the extraordinary work God wants to do through us. God does not need you to be extraordinary. He already is. He just needs us to present our ordinary selves to him and then be bold about our faith. So if you feel ordinary, be encouraged. That's who God wants to work with and through. People with no special training, but they've been with Jesus. That's who changes the world when we're bold about it. And it isn't just Peter and John. Later in this same chapter, chapter of Acts, there are, is a group of believers who are meeting together, praying about the persecution that they're facing. So they're being pressured for their faith. And here's what they pray. And now, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great opportunities to win the Powerball. Just kidding. That is not in the Bible. I did drive by. Anybody else drive by the little Powerball sign and you kind of watch it? Anybody else that's the most spiritual moment in your day? You're just like, how many of us have made some serious promises to God driving by the, the Powerball sign? Like, God, I'm just telling you, if you let me win the Powerball, I'm just telling you, God, I'm going to do some big things for you. Haven't done anything big so far in my life with what you've given me. Oh, that's another message for another time. Everybody okay? We'll cut that in the 11 o'clock. But we drive by the Powerball and we think, oh, I'm just going to make a big difference for you. God, if you just let me win that, if you just let me land that promotion, if you just let these circumstances work out the way that I want to, if you just let me get an elk. I'm so sorry, man. Are we still friends? I don't know like how much skill is involved in that situation, so I'm not, I can't really speak to that. I just know I caught six fish. Um, so... Sorry, sorry. Let's go back to God's word. They didn't pray for any of that. <laughs> Here's what they prayed for. Give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. And after this prayer, watch this, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the, what? Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with, there's the word again, boldness. So let me ask you a question. What are you bold about right now? What are you bold about? He says, it's not my personality to be bold. Yeah, but if you were going to be bold about something right now, what would it be? And where I come from, uh, I live within two hours of five NFL teams. Okay? So people are bold about football where I live. It's just they're bold about NFL football. It's a big deal. And so over the past couple of months, battle lines have been drawn. Talking heads are debating first downs and defensive ends. Merch is being rocked and mocked. Stats is being intensely, are being intensely followed. Verbally violent trash talk is happening on a regular basis. And it's because it's about something really important. Football. <laughs> Football is extraordinarily important, you understand? Because a little a leather ball, it, it goes down the field. And then it goes back. Is everybody tracking with me? And then it goes back again. 
And if it goes this way, more often than it goes this way, a team wins. <laughs> Very important. So is that what we're going to be most bold about? I mean, it's very, it's very important. And some of us are going, hey, man, don't pick on football. Okay. Uh, insert politics. Some of us are bold about politics. We're like, I can tell you everything that's happening in the world right now and what I think about it. TikTok. Are you bold about TikTok? Shoes. Some of us are bold about shoes. Investing. Vacationing. Whatever stirs us up and gets us excited and enthusiastic what are we going to be most bold about? Nothing wrong with those things. By the way, I'm an Eagles fan, 5-0. I'm bold about football. Okay. But is that what we're going to be most bold about? Here's what I want us to know today, Celebration Church. When the Holy Spirit comes to church, he brings boldness. Boldness about Jesus. In other words, when a church, when people in a church start to get more bold about the things of this world than they are about the things of God, the Holy Spirit, if we'll allow him to, will just whisper out. He's not trying to interrupt. He's not trying to be rude, but he will say, hey, you drop the boldness. You've lost sight of the fervency of your faith. What if we could head into the rest of this fall and be ready to love God, love people, and change the world like never before because we were empowered by the Holy Spirit to be bold for Jesus? What a difference that would make. What if we could head into the rest of this fall boldly sharing our faith, not allowing complacency to keep us from sharing our story with our neighbors and our coworkers and the people we interact with on a regular basis? I'm challenged by this. When uh, we first started our church in the first couple of years, I probably invited two or 300 people to church. But you know, our church has grown. It doesn't need to be me anymore. And I've gotten a little complacent. I feel like God messing with me lately about becoming more bold, not just on stage when I'm preaching, throughout the week when I'm interacting with people. And don't tell my neighbors this, it would freak them out, but I even got this map of my neighborhood printed out now. And I pray over my neighborhood and I pray for my neighborhood, my neighbors, and I'm looking for conversations. You got to understand when I go for a walk, I'm a type A personality. It's like how many miles per hour can I achieve with as few interruptions as possible? Sometimes we got to be willing to be interrupted by people so we can be bold about our faith. Come on, somebody. It's what the Holy Spirit brings to a church, boldness about Jesus. So what are we believing God for this fall? More blessings for us or more boldness to share the message of Jesus? When the Holy Spirit comes to church, he sees our complacency and he whispers, you dropped the boldness. He reminds us why Jesus came and he reminds us why we are in this world. And I know sometimes we feel pressured not to speak up about Jesus because of all of the competing worldviews out there. Listen, when we talk about Jesus boldly, we don't have to tell people what they need to do for God. We can just tell people what God has done for us. Be bold about it. And that's not all. Acts 4 continues, all the believers were united in heart and mind. So not only are they bold, but they're united, not in looks and opinions, not in race and age, not in social status and income. They are united in heart and mind. They share a common culture. This is how we are here. And a common vision. This is what we're trying to accomplish here. They are united. When the Holy Spirit comes to church, he brings unity. You ever been in an environment where there's disunity? It's the worst, isn't it? You ever been there? You just Maybe it's a job you're working right now. There's a cutthroat atmosphere. 
Everybody's always stabbing each other in the back. Maybe that's how 10th grade feels to you. This fall is like just, it's just like everybody's against each other. And maybe you are in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance and there's just all this conflict. Just sucks the oxygen out of the room when there's disunity, doesn't it? It's hard, like when there's just unresolved conflict. Anybody had any conflict in relationships? Anybody ever been in a relationship <laughs> with, a, with another human? It happens, right? It's to, there's disunity, and it just pulls the oxygen out of the room. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to do? He wants to transform our attitudes so we don't get caught up anymore in what divides us, but we get caught up in who unites us, Jesus, our leader and Lord. And the one who unites us becomes greater than anything that could divide us. It's why we do groups here, by the way. This is a church that does not just gather like this on Sunday for worship, but we do life in groups. We connect throughout the week with people going the same direction spiritually. Why? Because that's a place where the Holy Spirit can bring a greater unity. And we believe the Holy Spirit works in us and through us as we're doing life in groups with each other. It's why we serve, because when we put our gifts into action together in unity, the Holy Spirit says, okay, I can work with this. I can work through this, and I can make a difference. We're leaving a legacy together, church. That's what we're doing, and that's a season this church is really getting ready to enter into, is this idea of how do I not just live for me? We heard it a few minutes ago. It's not about me. It's about Jesus and what he wants to do, not about just my opinions and my preferences, I'll be honest with you. I've got an opinion about everything. Anybody else wired that way? Just like, don't, I just start telling like our staff at our church, don't ask me about something if you don't want four solutions. Cause I, I'm, I've always got an opinion. So if you're ever just shooting the breeze, don't. <laughs> Cause I'm going to tell you exactly what I think and how to fix it. I assume that's why we're having the conversation. Ask me how that's worked out in my marriage, by the way. That's <laughs> 26 years. So it's not about my opinions and my preferences when it comes to the work of God. God wants to work in us and through us so that we turn down our opinions and we turn up our unity. So that we're aligned around Jesus. So celebration, don't drop the unity this fall. Can I tell somebody today, don't let the enemy of your faith get you isolated from the people of God. You say, but I'm right. You can be right and wrong. And that has worked out very well in my marriage to realize that. I can be right, but wrong. And some of us go, but I'm right about the facts of why I'm isolating myself from other people. They don't see it the way I see it. And God says, well, you may be right about the facts, but you are wrong about the fellowship. You're wrong about isolating yourself. We got to get around other imperfect people just like us and be in unity. Don't let the enemy of your faith convince you to fall into spiritual consumerism this fall. Let's be united. Let's not allow the differences that may come between us at times to keep us from Jesus and his mission. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to church, he brings unity. You know what the Holy Spirit is really good at? He's really good at turning divided, petty, judgmental people into aligned, humble, encouraging people. And I say that as someone with experience of that work needing to be done in me. And that's what he does best. He brings unity. And then here's the last part, verse 32. And they, these bold, united believers, felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles 
to give to those in need. Okay, for a minute, here's what I want to invite us to do. Lay aside the Bible. Uh, let's, let's just kind of step away from God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, just for a moment, all of that. Lay spiritual things aside. And imagine you know two people. One of those two people loves to give. They're just very generous all the time. In fact, sometimes you, it's a little embarrassing. You have to be like, hey, that's too much. Like you, and they say, I know, but I just, I care about you. I just want to give. That's one person. The other person lives to take. They're always trying to figure out how you can pay for lunch. They have alligator arms. Anybody, anybody know anybody like that? Oh, let me help with that. Come on, how many of us know some people? <laughs> like that, you're like, sometimes you just want to like, yeah, go ahead. Let's see you stretch those little short arms across that table, grab that check. Can you do it? I can afford it, but I want to know if you can do it. Anyway, you know two people, right? Someone who loves to give and someone who lives to take. Over the long term, which one do you think your heart is going to be drawn toward more? The giver, right? And you don't need God to figure that out. It's just, that is just the way we're wired. Now, I believe we're wired that way by God. But even if you don't, you don't need God to figure that out. So do you want to know how to live a successful life? Be the person who loves to give. It's the most successful life hack I've ever discovered. Just be the person who loves to give, not the person who lives to take. It'll make every part of your life better. Science shows that chemically, there is something that happens chemically inside of us when we use what we have to help someone else that is of a greater quality and duration than what happens inside of us when we use what we have to help ourselves. We're just, we're wired to love and be drawn toward generosity. Now, we're also fallen and broken, so we gravitate toward stinginess at times too. But we don't even like ourselves when we do that. So you don't even need God. You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. If you were just like, if you came to church today going, can I hear something that would make my life better? You're welcome. Be the person who loves to give. But now for all of us who are followers of Jesus, let's put God back in the picture where he belongs. Because when the Holy Spirit comes to church, he brings generosity. No strings attached. Extravagant generosity. And it, it is not just a chemical rush or a life hack. It's a spiritual work. And here's what it looks like for these people in Acts 4. First, we read this. Their mindset about money and possessions changes. So up until they met Jesus, they just assumed whatever they had was theirs. That's how people who don't know Jesus think about. That's if you're here and you don't believe there's a God, you probably look at what's in your garage and what's in your bank account and what's in your 401k, and you go, that's mine. Of course it is. If there's no God, it's yours. But when these people met Jesus, something significant shifted, and they begin to look at everything that they thought they owned and realize, oh, that's not my own. Now... In other words, these first followers of Jesus said, I don't have a life anymore. I traded the life I had that wasn't working for new life in Christ, which means I gave up everything I had to receive everything God has for me, and I totally got the better deal. But what it means is I don't own anything anymore. It's not 100% mine. It's not... This is not my money, it's not my stuff, these aren't my possessions, that's not my food in the fridge, it's not my house that I live in. That belongs 
to God. And now they start looking at their time and their energy and their expectations and experiences and money and stuff as if it belongs to Jesus because they belong to Jesus. When Jesus got me, he got everything that comes with me. Because when I got Jesus, I got everything that comes with Jesus. Again, I totally got the better deal. But now everything I have belongs to him. So what do they do? Their mindset changes about money and possessions. And now they begin to give. And not like people whose lives haven't been changed by Jesus. Everybody gives because it gives you a chemical high. So a lot of people give occasionally, sporadically, incrementally, and when they're moved emotionally to get the, the dopamine rush, to get the chemical high. Followers of Jesus give because we don't see what we own as our own anymore. You see the difference? This is a totally different, which is a beautiful thing because if you don't fully own it, you don't have to lay awake at night worrying about it. Uh, that's a beautiful thing. So what's going to happen with the economy? I don't know. I don't own anything. I belong to God and he is well able to take care of me. You say, well, does this literally mean I like, I don't, my name's not on anything. I don't No, It's a mindset. This is not my own this belongs to Jesus. And so they begin to give continually and extravagantly as the Holy Spirit is at work in them and through them because he brings generosity. So our church, uh, The Journey, we have, as every community of faith has, this story of God's work and all the times when we thought it couldn't happen and God just began to show up. And this church has experienced that in so many ways. And we recently started a third location in a, a city called Middletown. Uh, just four weeks ago, actually. This will be our fourth uh, Sunday in that location. And there's a family who started coming to uh, what we call our broadcast location, our first, the first location of our church. They started coming there a couple of years ago, and no church background. Their lives were changed by Jesus. And they had had this dream in their heart uh, that they would move to Middletown one day. It's an area where a lot of, a lot of families are moving. It's growing very quickly. And they thought, we really want to move there someday. But they didn't know how or when that was going to happen. And so when we announced as a church, we're starting a location in Middletown, the husband and wife, they were in that service and they looked at each other and said, I guess we're moving to Middletown. That's our answer. Like, we're going to go to help start. We did, before, we thought it was just a dream in our heart, but now we know we're going to go be a part of something new and see the message of Jesus get to that city. So they were very excited about it. Um, and uh, they started making plans to move to Middletown. But about a year or so before that, the wife had been working in Middletown and she saw this tree on a property. And it was just a beautiful tree, just picturesque. And she FaceTimed her husband with the tree in the background and said, wouldn't it be cool if one day we lived here? And he's like, yeah, that'd be really cool. And they thought about it. But then they forgot about it because it wasn't going to happen for a couple of years. They put it out of their mind. But when we announced we were starting a location in Middletown, they said, okay, I guess that's our sign. We're moving to Middletown. So this past spring, they met with a builder in Middletown to talk about building a house. It's kind of a daunting process. And they were explaining to the builder what they wanted in the house. If you ever had a house built, you know all the process a lot. And in the middle of their conversation, the builder said, you know, it's a funny thing. We actually have a house almost finished that has all of the things you want in a house. 
but it's already built. Would you be interested in looking at it? And they said, yeah, sure. So they went over and looked at the house. And sure enough, somebody had picked out everything they wanted, the cabinets, the flooring, everything was the color they wanted, the layout they wanted. It was exactly the house they wanted. And they were like, oh, my gosh, this is our house. And they were, the builder was like, well, it's already built, no hoops to jump through, and we'll give you a good deal. And they were like, that's fantastic. And you know what's in the backyard? That tree. So, that is not something God has to do. So, if you're like, okay, I just figured out how to get a tree. God did, nobody twisted God's arm. That was not like, we'll do this if you do that. There's, there was none of that. They were just like, okay, we want to move to Middletown. And here's the part of the story you need to understand. The day they decided to move to Middletown, they said, we're going to put our house on the market. And because housing prices, you guys know a little bit about this, have gone up a lot. They said, whatever profit we make off of our house, we're going to bring our first. We're going to tithe on that back to what matters to God. We're not going to use that to move into the new house. We're going to be generous. And I think the Holy Spirit said, if what matters to me is going to matter to you, don't worry. What matters to you is going to matter to me. I'm going to take care of the things that you might be concerned about. Because you are putting my kingdom first. And by the way, four weeks ago, we launched that location. 445 people on the first Sunday. 21 people put their faith in Jesus for the first time that day. Which gets Jesus so fired up because that's what matters to him. And when the people of God begin to live in what matters to God, Great things can happen. If you read Acts 4, those first believers, they gave generously and extravagantly, but they didn't, and they were blessed by God for it, but that's not why they did it. They didn't do it to be blessed by God. They did it because the Holy Spirit was at work in them. And when the Holy Spirit comes to church, he brings boldness, unity, and generosity. So celebration, listen, don't drop the boldness this fall. Stay bold about your faith. Don't drop the unity this fall. Stay bold about being humble and in alignment with fellow believers. Don't drop the generosity this fall. Stay committed to being extravagantly and consistently generous toward what matters to God. In fact, let me put it this way. Stop letting your budget decide your faith and start letting your faith guide your budget. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes to church, he wants to point out whatever might be missing in us. And sometimes it's our boldness about Jesus. Sometimes it's our unity. We get a bad attitude. Anybody else ever had a bad attitude? Anybody had a bad attitude in the past 24 hours? Anybody else? Your Starbucks wasn't right, and you're like, that's it. I mean... World's going to hell. Holy Spirit knows that about us. So he says, hey, hey, you, you drop the right spirit. You drop the unity. Get that back where it needs to be. You drop the generosity. Get the celebration. Don't just move into this beautiful new space and then go, okay, settle. It's good. It's good for us. Be generous toward a hurting world that's out there. And keep chasing after what matters to God because that's what happens when the Holy Spirit 
comes to church. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you would say, I've, I've said yes to following Jesus as leader and Lord of my life, and you receive this word from God, not my words, but God's word. If you would say, I want to live this way this fall, I want to enter into my life for the rest of this year with greater boldness, greater unity, greater generosity. I wonder, would you just shoot your hand up, just hold it up high. If you'd say, that's me, I receive that. Just hold it up high, boldly, all over the room. I wanna be faithful to Jesus with my life. It's amazing. Thank God, I wanna pray it over you. Open your heart up to God with me. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, we honor you today. We're yours. Come on, would you make that personal? Just tell them today, I belong to you. I think I've... I might have forgotten that, Lord, so I remind my soul today I belong to you. Everything I have belongs to you. My future belongs to you. Thank you, God, that my past belongs to you. You covered it through the blood of Jesus. I'm a new person, and now I want to live boldly for you. I want to live in unity with the people of God. I want to live a generous life. God, whatever part of me that's kicking back against your word today. I bring that into submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I surrender myself. Come on, tell him that. Jesus, I surrender to you. I'm yours. And while you let God speak to your heart for a moment more, while everybody's just staying in the presence of God, if you would say today, I don't have a real relationship with God. Up until this moment in your life, you, you have not known God in a real way but you want to, and God's drawing you to him right now. If you would say, I want to put my faith in Jesus today. I want to begin to follow him. I sense there's more to my life. And maybe even a few minutes ago when I talked about what happened for me, I was 15 years old. I traded the life I had that wasn't working for new life in Christ. It's not always an easy life, but it's such a better life because it has meaning and purpose. I know who I am and whose I am. And you can have that too today. And if you would say today, I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want to begin following him. I'm ready. Then I'm going to lead us in prayer again in just a moment. And that's your opportunity right where you are to whisper out a prayer of faith. And I'd be happy to lead you in that. So I want everyone to just open your heart up to God with me one more time. And if that's you, right where you are, you want to begin following Jesus. Whisper out a prayer of faith, something like this. You can use my words if it helps you. Pray with faith from your heart. Jesus, today, I give my life to you. By faith, I'm trusting you with everything. I believe you died to forgive my sins and that you rose again and are real and alive. And I want to follow you. Save me today. And then if that's you, while everyone around you stays focused on God, if you would say, I'm praying that prayer today, I'm putting my faith in Jesus, would you lift your hand so I can see it? Just hold it up high, boldly. I'm putting my faith in Jesus, yes. Trusting him with my life. Yeah, believing him by faith to change my life today. And then celebration, it's in your name. Would you help me? Let's celebrate what God is doing together. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world. <laughs>